Hey, friends. Hey. How you doing? Good. Oh, Great. God. Quite okay. well. We're, we already have to start this teaser over. This is intense. What? No, it's good. No, it is good. You said high energy. Here it is. The <laughs> highest of energies. Welcome to Theater Theater, the theater podcast for theater nerds made by three theater makers from the L.A. theater scene. I'm Jay Bailey Burcham. I'm C.J. Merriman. And I'm Scott Leggett. That's right. And each week we get together to discuss, debate, and disseminate the evolutions of the great playwrights by taking a macro look at three of their plays. And this is our teaser trailer. Do you feel teased? We want you to join us. We cover playwrights and we also do bonus episodes. We talk about movies. Mm -hmm. We talk about musicals that we like. Uh -huh. We talk about movie musicals. Sometimes we talk about scary directors that freak CJ out. Yeah. That's right. We dig into trauma <laughs> points in the theater world and community. Yeah. We just want new friends. We want new community. Please join us. And we absolutely love spotlighting the Los Angeles theater scene, a scene that we don't think gets enough love, but that has some incredible, beautiful, burgeoning theaters and people amongst it. And we're just proud to be part of that community so it's better than new york i'm saying no. <laughs> but we <laughs> i don't know about that new york listeners please join us too because we also talk a lot about broadway and the money grubbing bullshit behind it but we love you all and we'll see you some other time thank you so much goodbye peace the theater the theater Theater. To be or not to be. Theater. Theater. The plays the thing. Actors to places. Thank you, places. Thank you, places. It's time to exit stage death. Welcome back to Exit Stage Death. As always, I am one of your co-hosts, Emily Martinez. And I'm your other co-host, Maddie Limerick. And these are the chilling true stories behind your favorite Broadway shows. And today is a very special bonus episode because we have my internet, and unfortunately we haven't met in real life yet, <laughs> friend, um, Jay Bailey Burcham from Los Angeles. Bailey, did I say your last name right? You did, Bertram. Yeah. Well done. Fuck you. Yeah. That's a rarity. Um, I was going to ask you, and then I went, oh my God, I forgot. No, it's great. Um, so Bailey is a Los Angeles-based producer, director, and writer, and currently the manager of Pasadena Playhouse, uh, foreshadowing for the episode. Yes. Um, he has a paranormal TikTok where he explores the playhouse and its residents. Bailey has performed and directed on stages around the world, and most recently was tasked by the Obama Foundation to direct Hamlet in four languages at the university in Kogelo, Kenya. Again, I hope I said that. You said it perfectly. Yeah, Kogelo, oh, Kenya. Yeah. And um, also, Bailey is also a podcaster, and he has a great podcast called Theater Theater, Theater R-E, and then Theater E-R. And That's right. everybody go needs to go check that out. It's so good. Bailey, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate y'all having me on. I really do. Um, so yeah. the, the quick story that I have with Bailey is that we did a recording back before my, um, basically my whole life fell under my ass um <laughs> in 2021 and um i was it was when i was still doing uh bloody broadway and we basically like had this great 
chat. And then the footage just, I was just like, I'm a different human being at this point now. And then when we created this podcast, I was like, oh my God, we have to bring Bailey on because this is the perfect platform to talk about all things spoopy. And I'm so, I'm so happy you're here. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's been so fun to connect with you just through social media and everything like that. The fact that we're in this day and age where we can do that is so beautiful. Um, and then like following along with what you and, 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 and Moulin Rouge and the the hubs and everything like phenomenal she stuff makes, going she on. She makes, makes an appearance in every episode. Moulin Rouge. Makes <laughs> <laughs> she truly does. She actually, I think, member. does. I think she's As just she should just she ticked off that little spot. Uh, you yeah. know, it wouldn't. <laughs> Uh, you know, it wouldn't be uh, terrible if we got an invite to one of the official openings. It'd be fine. Ooh. Hear that, Willowers. That'd be so nice, right? Yes. Get the pod. Get the pod. And theater, theater. You know, absolutely. That one theater. too. Mm. That one too. Mm. Yeah. Oh, actually. Oh, I just had a thought. What would be so much fun? Our two podcasts leading a conversation about theater and its legacy at BroadwayCon next year. Oh, with Moulin Rouge. How much? Goodness. I'm, I'm going to manifest it right now. I'm manifesting it. it for us. I'm manifesting Got it for us. Friends. I'm, I'm sweating. I'm sweating at the moment. <laughs> yeah. I'm all the way in for that. No, that's a that's a phenomenal idea. Yeah. Yeah. My podcast is is not paranormal but it is very theater based which i know Mm y'all are too and so Mm -hmm. i uh what we do is is each week we get together and we discuss debate and disseminate the works of the great playwrights Mm -hmm. uh uh, by taking a macro look at three of their plays i just did the intro for you now you know um (laughs) but we me and and my my two co-hosts scott and cj we uh we have read, I think it. we counted recently, and it's like an insane amount. We've read like 280 plays or something in the past three years. Uh, it's what's gotten us. I know. It's been the best. Oh, it's That's what's awesome. gotten us through COVID. Mm-hmm. And it's been incredible. And I have fallen so deeply in love with the podcast world mm-hmm. uh, and just everything involved in this. But like the fact that you have a podcast that is mixing two of my most favorite things. Makes me very excited, so I'm excited to talk to you. I'm excited to tell you some some stories, and and uh, maybe hear some too. I don't know. We excited. Well, and it was back when I pitched this to M. It was literally a day that I was having the most manic break, <laughs> and M had been on my mind a lot. I literally just watched two of her bloody Broadway clips, and I was like, M, a podcast, but like, it's us, but like keeping doing this like how would you and she said yes let's do it i yes. was like yes. it is <laughs> yes. doing this by myself is destroying my soul i need yeah. someone to bant with yes <laughs> like, i can't do it on my own it's tough it's it's so true it's been i'm uh oh this will come out much later so i am because future time timey wimey podcast i'm currently out with six on norwegian cruise lines cool. uh cool thanks. cool cool i'm so i'm literally so excited when i found yeah. out i got it i screamed and told em i was like em i got six yes. ah. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the soundtrack that i listen to on the daily got it oh, cool me yeah. too yeah. also okay. oh yeah and now i have a second one now that i have the live broadway recording to yes. do with the studio recording and we're about to have, and and by the time this is out, we have the filmed uh, UK production of the original Queens. Wait, what? They, oh my God, yeah. they just filmed it outside of the palace. I didn't Henry's. know this. Yes, they just yes. filmed it outside in the like back lawn with a full set of Let's it behind go. the palace. Let's and, it's, and, we're it's gonna, go. and we're just going to manifest that I will also be in a production one it's day. It's true. Yes, I, got true. it. Yes, yes. <laughs> one day. Uh, 
Yeah, when I move over to the national tour, M will be there. It'll Done. be great. <laughs> Done. <laughs> yeah, but they did like new costumes for all the girls that are like heavy Hollywood version of the glitzed out costumes. Because also, we're not even in yet, but I want a Spice World version of Six as a movie that is a mockumentary of the forming of Six as the girl group. So you oh, get like little scenes of them. Genius. Oh, and hear me out Lizzo okay. as Anne of Cleves, <laughs> Adele as Jane Seymour. Oh, okay. I'm so yeah. ready to okay. go. Gaga okay. is Catherine Parr. Oh my God. I'm here for I'm in. all of these. <laughs> I'm in. Sorry. Yeah. Don't steal my ideas. Everybody steal the idea. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, TM, but, TM, TM. But Bailey, you've given us a little uh, uh, look at your podcast, which I'm listening to the Little Shop of Horrors episode because it just came out and I'm enjoying <gasps> yeah. it so much. Oh, it good. was my going to work today. Uh, why don't you tell us how you got into theater and how you found your way to Pasadena Playhouse. Absolutely. So I've been doing theater my whole life, as I'm sure many uh, listeners have, you know, or at some point you find it and it just hooks you and then you stay in it forever. Uh, And I, no matter what the capacity, and I fell really deeply in love with it as a young kid in a camp called Green Apple Theater, uh, where we wrote our own melodrama and put it up. And I played Slick Salami Sam, the bad guy. Uh, oh, are, and it are was... you a character actor, Bailey? Are oh, you, yes. You... Oh, oh, yes. Um, of I course. Can I play Slick today? That sounds yeah. it's, it's a kind of a dream role, if you want the truth, um, that I'll never get to play again. But it was, actually, I have the program for it right next to me. So, oh, yeah, here it is. Well, it's, this is a uh, audio medium, but here it is. Sunflower City. The mystery of Sunflower City. Yeah, you'll never know. The font is in like old Western. Yeah, I made it myself on my old Mac, 1996 Mac or whatever it was. Um, My point is I I fell in love really early and I did choir and all the plays and all the shows. And I went to a, I was very fortunate to go to a arts school in the middle of Kansas uh, from the... I'm from Wichita, Kansas, Uh, but from the age of preschool through graduating high school, I went to the exact same school. So I had the same vocal teacher from first grade through high school. That's wild. And it was, yeah, it was incredible. And so I, I, I was really raised in it. And when I went to college, sort of debated being in theater, but I met this woman uh, in Kansas City named Beatty Pettigrew, best name ever. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, she really teaches at Hogwarts. Um, oh, I'm about to say she also is she she is the star of a uh, a mystery novel series as yes, well. Yes, and like, Agatha Christie. Yeah, yes. yeah. Oh, Beatty Pettigrew um changed my life forever, uh, became my mentor and was the first one to look me in the eyes and be like, No, you could do this. And I was like, oh. cool. So not just as a performer, but like you could yeah. stay in this line of work and you will do well. And I was like, great. So I did a few years in Kansas City theater. Um, and then I moved to Wichita and went to Wichita State to get a second degree in performance. My first degree is in theater production. Uh, my second one is in uh, uh, theater performance and musical theater performance from Wichita State University. Uh, and a, I hate to say it, but the worst school. <laughs> the worst school. Um, I, I don't want to like do too much bad mouthing, but I just I learned everything not to do there. 
Mm-hmm. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Like very yes. state school experience, very mm-hmm. like not what I thought it was, but it filtered into music theater, Wichita, which I grew up seeing. And mm-hmm. so that was sort of my big goal. So um, while going to school there, I got cast at music theater, Wichita, which I got paid. I think it was 1500 bucks to play Luther Billis, 1500 bucks a week, excuse me, to play oh. Luther Billis in South Pacific on the Lincoln Center set that they brought to Oh, Wichita. so the dream, the, the dream, like, oh, and like, wow. Mackie was, was, uh, was Nelly. Um, she's been in tons oh, of stuff yes, since, but yes. you know, she was in the Lincoln center, uh, Emma Thompson, mm-hmm. uh, Sweeney Todd that they put on PBS. Mm-hmm. She was Joanna. Um, but mm-hmm. she was, she, she and I like really hit it off. And so she was another person that was like, keep doing this. This is, you could do this. Like, I know this is just like a college thing, but like, keep going. So I did, um, did a few more shows there, moved to LA after graduating and did a few little like regional tours and did a few casino tours and Ooh-wee. yeah, I did two contracts in Reno, Nevada, uh, at the El Dorado theater showroom. Um, I did eight weeks as, uh, Dave Bukatinsky in the full Monty musical. Uh, eight shows a week for eight weeks, uh-huh. uh, full nude at the end of the show mm-hmm. every single night. And and um, when you do that, Dave is not so thick at the end of the run because like, correct that, sh- that show is beastly. Because I've also played Dave, and it I is lost beastly. so much weight mm-hmm. during that run that by the midway point, the director came to watch again and give notes, and he pulled me aside and he said, "I'm I'm getting you buffet vouchers. You need to stay big." And I was like, what? And it was actually, it was almost offensive. I was like, wait, huh? It was, it was this whole thing. But so I, I, I did, I ate a bunch of, I drank a bunch of mimosas and ate a bunch of uh, buffet at the, at the casino to stay big for this part. Uh, It was very unhealthy. The things we do, but I did Dave. And then I did, they called me the final night of performances and of the, uh, right after the final performance. And they said, Hey, we just had to fire our Max Bialystok in the producers that's about to come and take over for the full Monty for the next two months. Would you stay and play the role? Yes. And I said, I am 30 years too young. And they said, (laughs) and they said, we don't care. We'll, we'll age makeup, whatever. And you can keep your nudity premium that you had for full Monty. And I said, done, keep it. Let's go. Uh, So yeah. And I didn't have to stay big. I didn't have to do all the things. So I stayed for another two months in Reno. And then since then, uh, oh, I did Danny in the Deep Blue Sea. I did a run in Los Angeles of Danny in the Deep Blue Sea as Danny with Renee Marino. Um, And and, and it was a phenomenal uh, uh, chance to like get to dig into some like real theater for a minute. But since then, I've just been directing. I've been producing. I've been writing. Uh, I've won a few script competitions. I won first and second place in a Hollywood sketch comedy competition called Serial Serial Killers. Um, I had to write 20 episodes of a sketch over a new episode every single week. Every time I got voted through, I ended up writing 20, going 20 weeks with one of them, 16 weeks with the other. And the 16 weeks got first place. The 20 weeks got second place. So it was, it it felt really good. Won like $7,000, which was enough to keep me in LA as a starving artist. So I've been in LA right now. It's not. Um, (laughs) But I also teach for the Shakespeare Youth Festival. I'm a, a director and teacher for them. We do fully uh, uncut Shakespeare with kids age 6 to 18. 
So I have seen a nine-year-old child play Cleopatra and blow it out of the water. I love like, that. Like, take out you take out all the innuendo and you take out all the sexual nuance. You just do, right? And they understand these things on a visceral level that I actually mm-hmm. don't, mm-hmm. right? And I've seen some, like, breathtaking performances of all the best bard uh, canon. But that is what mm-hmm. led me... Excuse me, I keep hitting my mic. That is what led me to Kigelo, Kenya, where I, uh, the Obama Foundation found out about Shakespeare Youth Fest. They wanted us to bring some Shakespeare to their camp that they do every summer uh, at this university. So I went uh, for a month and I was tasked with directing Hamlet, as you said, Em, at the beginning. And I directed Hamlet, but it was with multiple uh villages so these people didn't all speak the same language so i would give a direction and there would sometimes be three or four translations having to happen before i could move on to my next direction wow so it was really tough it was really cool uh one of the most beautiful things i've ever been a part of uh and that was right before COVID hit um, I was going to say, when did you go? Like, yeah, so I went 2019. Um, and then 2020, January 2020, I get the job at the Pasadena Playhouse as the manager. And I, it's my first salary job. It's at a theater. Feels yeah. really good. I'm uh, head of programming in the 99 seat space. I'm like, yo, this is going to be the best job ever. This is January 2020. <laughs> Uh, three months later, yeah, COVID hits. Um, and I end up being the caretaker by myself there every single day. No one else is working on ground. Everyone else got furloughed except for the senior staff. So senior staff is working at home, trying to make a live streaming thing happen. It's not really working. They're trying to make things happen. And I was there every day by myself. Uh, I moved during COVID. I moved a block away just so I could. Uh, I yeah. used to live like a half hour away. I moved a block away so I could just be here all the time checking on the place. I fell so madly in love with that theater during COVID. I just, I know every nook and cranny. I know every inch of that place. I know everything that's broken. I know everything that's about to break. Uh, and I know every single energy and spirit that resides in that place too. I have that time spent there was at first some of the most bone chilling, scary nerve wracking experiences I've ever had in my life. And now, uh, well, and by the end of like the shutdown, I was I was really just in love. I was just yeah. like, no, this is my place. I love it. Now, since things have been back in gear, a lot of the interactions I've had with whatever is residing there, and we'll get into that, um, have been way low. Everyone, because the place is full all the time yeah. now, right? Um, and so that's been a little interesting. But I am moving on. I'm I'm I've I've put in my notice i gave him a bunch of months i'm trying to find some other theater gigs to move on to because it's just sadly not 
the artistic position I was hoping for. Our 99 seat space hasn't been able to open back up because of since COVID, um, which was really why I wanted this job, yeah. you know, is really, I wanted to be programming small musicals in there and, and, yeah. and, and, and doing like ghost tours and, and yeah. Halloween related stuff. I wanted to do a Sarah Kane play in there. That was like the first thing I pitched. Mm-hmm. You know, y'all know Sarah mm-hmm. Kane. <laughs> mm-hmm. I always push Sarah Kane on people who don't know Sarah Kane. I'm like, you need to read it. Even if it's going to trigger you, it's the best. <laughs> um, Meanwhile, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, relive your trauma. Tell me all about the ghosts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me (laughs) always with Carol Churchill. Always. Yes. (laughs) Well, you should know the our podcast is is deeply uh, obsessed uh, is the best word, I I think, um, uh, with Carol Churchill. We talk about Carol Churchill all the time. Listen, Matt Forrest is my shit. So I to talk Matt Forrest. Interesting. Anytime. I'm a big far away fan mm-hmm, mm-hmm. obviously top girls cloud nine those you know the the bigger ones but we found one called pig blood pig no pig dog dog pig can't remember it now i'm gonna find it i'm gonna send it to you because it's an incredible piece um but it's super scary and messed up and uh the striker is another one that i freaking love um but what do you want to know about the playhouse i think okay. is the next step so can you give us just a little bit like what you've learned of like the brief history of like why because like we've talked with a lot of different people and we've talked about our experience in this that like whether it's a ghost or just energy that manifests because it's in the space because again the theater itself is living a different identity every night the people in it are living and experiencing something together you have actors who are in all like replicating so many different life experiences of dying of trauma of assault all these things and so a lot of that can kind of wedge its way into the foundation especially like um if you think about like ley lines and magnetic fields and things how it goes absolutely some places that just cross through or you're on a line like there's a town in upstate new york where the merry-ground playhouse is called auburn and it is the center of nine intersecting ley lines and you can feel it everywhere and like the cemetery is truly haunted the mall was haunted i have a thousand stories about that mall hauntings there but it's one of those things that just the buildings you are in sometimes literally manifest its own energy because the people so i guess give us a little background it can be short of like yeah where the pasadena playhouse came from how the building became to be owned by the theater 100%. and and then i guess kind of launch in maybe with your first experience and then yeah. how you kind of learned to traverse any interactions alone because for a lot of people that is their worst experience and yeah. it sounds like something that started as scary for you but you've kind of wrapped as your your 100%. comfort your comfort blanket there if you yeah will. that's yeah. a good way to put it yeah i mean so everything you were just saying maddie like really tracks for me and i'll tell you why like i i have some theories i have some theories on like ghost experiences in general that are based in energies and things like this okay but uh, yes uh i think i've told you about it emily i think you and i have talked about it a little yeah, bit I but i really uh, I have known about the Pasadena Playhouse for a long time, especially once moving to the West Coast. It's just one of those regional theaters that has history and people yep. talk about mm-hmm. it and they do great work. And uh, but as a kid, this is weird that I knew it, but I I was really obsessed with the movie Noises Off. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And the entire second act where everything is backstage is at the Pasadena Playhouse. And I like, oh, it's I shot there. Yeah. yeah. And okay. I, I don't know why I knew that as a kid, but I did. 
like someone told me or I don't know what it is, but it always that was the thing that always was resonated with me. It was like, oh, the Pasadena place is the place where noise off a shot. Uh, the history there is much better um, than just that. So it was built in the early 1900s. I don't have an exact year. I think it's 1907 or some 1910. I don't know. Um, but the building was built as a school slash theater. Okay. So it was always meant to be a theater. That was the original uh, idea idea for it. Um, it 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 kind of did its thing for a few years, and they put up some shows, and it it was like a really exciting opening, and it had you know a lot of money behind it. But they were just really just doing like kind of basic stuff on stage, just like Hamlet with no set, right? Yeah. For a few oh, years, yeah. then this man named Gilmore Brown shows up. And Gilmore is a openly gay man in 1920. He is, and it throughout the 20s, he is a prominent wealthy figure in Pasadena. And people love him. And he comes in and he says, I can make this theater something. I can make this more than just like a fun playhouse. I could make this a company. And we can like make it a school for real and not just a, you know, just a giant building that could be a school. Right. So he took it on and put everything he had behind it and made it what it is today, really throughout the twenties and thirties. The playhouse was the only theater in California that stayed open throughout the American great depression. Whoa. So that's why it is the state theater of California. So we're officially named that, which is beautiful. And we have plaques everywhere and really cool signage. Um, but during that time, there's a lot of really cool stories about the way that he handled things. Specifically, he had a lot of superstition. Mm-hmm. So he had a cat who would sit next to him at rehearsals. That's so and I'm sorry, what? Yes. He had a, I think it was a black cat, I believe. So so that man is a literal witch. Yes. He was an I think it's absolutely possible. Yeah. <laughs> a, a, an out queer person being out queer and making art in the twenties with a, a black, the man's a witch and I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay with it. I'm like really happy about that. I think he, I think he like used a lot of his clout also to make Pasadena as progressive as it kind of is today. Like it, I mean, it has its rich, Mm-hmm. conservative shitheads but but uh you see more black lives matter and rainbow things in yards than you do political signs or trump you know what i mean yeah so it's it you can feel it here you can feel the vibe here and it's it, it is diverse and representative and and I, a lot of people point at the theater for being sort of the 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 genesis of that and he was the the catalyst right so he had this cat who would sit next to him and watch the rehearsals when he would direct. And now he also starred in some things. He played Caesar once and he did, you know, some things. But he had this superstition that if he was directing a scene and the cat turned its back on the scene, he would restage that entire scene no matter what. Which Oh my god to the best of the actors who were not into that. He also, if it, if it approached a scene and watched it normally, he would never touch it again. 
So it was sort of like that scene is done. We've we've finished that scene. Never touching it. The cat approves. Okay. He also didn't like now these all these things are about to tie together for my first interaction. He also didn't like other people directing in his space. So he had a secret passageway built where in the library, which was his office, a beautiful, beautiful library with this old Bechelder, I think is his name, the Bechelder, Bechelder uh, uh, furnace um, uh, fireplace. It's this mural fireplace that's like really famous and stuff. And it uh, it's this beautiful library. And to the right of the fireplace, there's this huge bust of a woman head, like just like a, just like a, a woman's head <laughs> and it's pink and you and above that there's like pictures of people in the 50s sitting in that library you're like weird yes. but below the bust is this wood panel and if you push on the wood panel the door open the panel opens and behind it now is a marionette that is made of metal that is a full like perfect detail knight k-n-i-g-h-t from you know medieval times and it has a stick and marionette strings above it and behind that is a yeah creepy uh, absolutely, absolutely not, not. <laughs> absolutely not no 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 no, no, no. <laughs> i saw your faces i was like something's boiling something's a brewing absolutely not so yeah creepy. if you lift up the helmet there's a full face it's like i mean it's real love Get i've never no. named it because it feels too real i'm like i don't know you have a name i'm not gonna dead name you but i or like you know come up with some fake name for you but they they freaking filled it in behind so if you try to go back there, you can't do it anymore. It's just, it's like mesh and, and concrete. But you can see that there was absolutely a passageway there. Yeah. Uh, and it's creepy and it's weird. But the really weird thing is that when you're in the library, sometimes you can hear a cat. Mm. Now, I've had many people up there hear it. Usually they're alone. It's rare that like people are sitting, like five people are sitting there trying to hear it and we hear it. It, it doesn't happen when that, yeah. when that's the case. It's like someone late at night, like closing up after a VIP event and then, which we often do in the library. And then they like keep hearing a cat and they're like, is there a cat inside? And they go looking for it and never find it. So the fear used to be in like my first fear, because this was my first real incident is I was in the library and I kept hearing a cat and I was like, there's there's got to be a cat inside that's weird. And so I started looking everywhere and then I went, Oh no, it's like in the roof or like in the yeah. walls. Mm -hmm. But then I realized no above the library is the roof. There's nothing, there's no storage above there. It's just that it would have to, it would be in a one foot concrete uh, section, right? There's nowhere for it to be. Uh, and so I would go looking and go looking, never finding it. And it was very creepy early on. Um, this was actually when I first started. This is before COVID hit. This is when like people were around and I would just I would just be there late at night after a show. Right. Yeah. Um, and this was kind of part of the training. People would tell me stories early on. The part of the training was like, oh, we're going to show you the things that happen here. Here's the light that turns on by itself. Here's the shower that turns on by itself. Here's the, you know, it's it was sort of a walking through of all of the potential scares I might run into at the playhouse. Oh my God. Yeah. So 
when you go okay so one night i did hear the 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 cat and i was really obsessed with finding it and <laughs> just adamant and i the loudest i've ever heard it is when you put your ear up against the uh filled in passageway it sounds like it's in the passageway oh. it's really creepy and i don't like that yeah that's creepy is, yeah did the cat get put in the i don't like, think so okay i don't think so i don't know that would be that would be grounds for a haunting <laughs> now to, that cat. exactly to skip ahead a little bit we just had freestyle love supreme here at the playhouse <gasps> yeah my friend and, morgan riley was in that oh morgan's incredible yeah, uh hummingbird yeah she went to my college very cool yeah hummingbird was was phenomenal i got to see her a few times uh uh in, in the show she, she was great we didn't get to kick it so much i got i got to be friends yeah. with a lot of the cast and she and i didn't really get to get to spend any time um i gave a ghost tour to the cast uh and i walked them through all the spaces and told them all the stories and one of them in the cast the piano player richard is a medium so he was like picking up on all this crazy stuff and was telling me stuff i didn't know and i was like whoa Wait, I think okay I also know richard i think richard I'm richard he his his rap name is richard midway but I yeah, don't remember. I think I did. He was a musical director of a show I did. He's also extremely talented, extremely, extremely talented, just the coolest dude. And so they were. Uh, uh, we d we did that whole ghost tour, and then one of the costumers came up to me yesterday uh, after the final show, and she because we just closed. She came up to me and she said, "The cat followed me home." And I said, "What?" And she said, <laughs> "I went home last night, and my cat because she I guess she has her cat here with her." Said my cat was playing with another cat like my cat does not play on her <laughs> own and she was like fully playing as if another cat was there and was reacting and hissing and it freaked me out and i it just kept playing in my mind that there was this cat at the playhouse and i was like holy shit so that's a big jump ahead that's wild but yeah so th th some of the things that would happen i would be like in the green room in the basement which is below the stage and i would hear heels on stage and then i would run upstairs and all the lights would still be off and nobody would be there and just the ghost light would be there right so i definitely believed or especially early on that there was like things going on that there was some energies inhabiting here most people say it's gilmore mm -hmm. uh and some people say it's audience members coming back who went here for decades you know their whole lives it's uh um uh, performers who who miss it and and want to come back uh but the the, the playhouse hasn't haven't had any like scary negative history mm -hmm. really but it's like gone bankrupt a few times and was a school for a while so i don't know schools are scary to me in general i just assume yes. bad things happen at schools Probably. so i don't know what happened here when it was a school dustin hoffman went to school here actually interesting oh. um but besides that i decided once covid hit that i was just gonna film all the time yeah because one safety uh i was really just worried that people were gonna break in because we do have people break in all the time and we do have people um, with access who like have worked there in the past and they've like figured out a door that they can Jimmy open or like, you know, like mm -hmm. things like that. So I was always just a little worried. So I would just have my phone on me at all times. If I was going to enter a new space, I would turn on the, the camera, uh, ended up catching something that scared the crap out of me, posted it on TikTok, and it blew up. And I, yeah have just been sharing everything that I've I've caught on camera ever since. Now I have tons more experiences than what I catch on camera, but the I 
and I only post if I catch it. You know, I only post yeah. like if it's real and I can really show you what I've got, uh, which people are not too nice about the truth. Well, <laughs> actually, I think it has yeah. to be this. And yeah. it's just like, can you just fucking join in the fun? Like, I'm just posting stuff, y'all. I don't mm-hmm. I have no opinions here. Um, was was the one that blew up? Is that the one where it because that's how I found you. And I was just like, mm-hmm. oh, oh. Um was it where it looked like it was two figures up in the mezzanine, like watching you? That that one has the most views. That's the bigger blow up. But the first one that kind of s- started it all, I walked into the space and was kind of just showing as if I was going to post on TikTok, like, this is a theater. Here's a ghost light. Th- yeah. I, look how beautiful my proscenium is. And then I looked up in the Juliet window, the little balcony, and kind of saw something like a little movement and I was like, oh, so I got in like a little better position. And as I'm zooming in, all I saw was a face. Yeah, I watched that video. Yeah, and no. I was like, I saw that shit, too. And I just I can't do that. I can't. It was horrifying. And I just stopped the video and ran because I was just like, oh, I don't I don't care. I don't want to know what I don't even know. I don't care. I think about uh, that. I think I think about that video like twice a month where i'm like fuck that was i do too <laughs> like it haunts my dreams it that that was the only time i have not felt like okay and yeah. i didn't feel unsafe but my nerves got the better of me and i just was so scared oh, that yeah. i actually felt a little like i shouldn't be here okay bye and like mm-hmm. ran every other time i have always felt like they understand why I'm there or it understands why I'm there or the energy mm-hmm. understands why I'm there. I am there as a caretaker. I am yeah. taking care mm-hmm. of this place in a good way. And I think they've wanted me there and they've embraced me and mm-hmm. we've all kind of fallen in love. Um, they still break everything every day. There's always a new broken toilet or something, you know, <laughs> everyone just always goes, Oh, Gilmore. And I'm like, I don't know. Someone. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> uh, there's a woman uh, Carrie Hamilton, daughter of Carol Burnett. We've named our 99 seat theater after her. Uh, and there's a beautiful picture of her up in our, in the lobby there. And she passed away very young. I think she was like 37, uh, of, of lung cancer. And there's a story, uh, that goes along with that, that people kept telling me when I, I first got there, which is that sometimes people like, see her Mm. and i was like oh okay you know like whatever Mm -hmm. but then one time something did happen to me uh after a show it was actually a john c Riley like puppet show he just like put up like something in our 99s he used to just like program thing um and i went in to to clean up, make sure everything was done. I didn't have a custodian on that night. So I was sort of the event manager and making sure everything was good and everything was locked up. All the doors were closed. Everyone was gone. I was went in to turn off the lights and I heard crying. I was like, Oh shit, someone's still here. So I walked into the theater and there was a woman in a yellow dress sitting there crying with her hands over her face. And I said, oh, okay, I'll, I'll leave her here. And so I kind of let her sit for a little bit. But then I realized like, oh, she's going to have to, I'm going to have to help her get out. She's not going to be able to get out. So I went back in to check on her and I said, hey, so sorry to bother you. Are you okay? Is there anything I can get you? 
and she didn't say anything. She kind of, she kind of gave me like a little shrug of like, I'm okay. I'm okay. You know, like everything's fine, but she kept her face covered. And I, I said, okay, okay, well, I, I'm going to, I'm going to get you a tissue. Um, and I'm going to show you, uh, the way out. I'm sorry, but like, I, I have to close up. I'm so sorry. And I felt horrible, but it was like, you know, yeah. like 1130. And I was, I was just like, I'd been there since 7am. I was like, let's go. So, and I felt, I felt terrible, but so I went to go get her a Kleenex and I came back and she was gone. And I never found her. Looked everywhere, looked in the bathrooms, looked around. The only way she could have gotten out is to have passed me mm-hmm. and known the code to get out. Oh. So it's quite possible that that's the case, but this was a this is a code we change every month. This isn't just something someone who used to work there would have, right? And only a few people have it. Everything else was locked up. I get chills. I... I Never I, found her. I feel like you would remember also if someone was there in a yellow dress. Like yellow yeah. is a color that stands yeah. out and is not often popular. Right. Um, I also don't remember seeing her at the show. Mm-hmm. That's the more interesting part because I feel like I would have noticed that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> I told that story to the Freestyle of Supreme cast and Richard, the medium, said... Oh yeah, that's Carrie. And I was like, "Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Good to know." Now, I do say good night to K- the when I close up the Carrie Hamilton every night. I say good night Carrie. I just do and it's not even like to her as much as it is like to the space. I have a lot of reverence for theater spaces as yeah. I'm sure you do. Um and I do it with the main stage too. Good night. Love you, you know, whoever. Um but I really I for what you were speaking about earlier, Maddie, and I apologize, I've just been monologuing a lot. No, please so do. No, hop in well, anytime. I am, I am, in, here, that's I am enthralled. <laughs> okay. Um, Maddie, I, I do so deeply resonate with the idea of, like, if these walls could talk, the histories of places, yeah. the quote-unquote ghosts rather mm-hmm. than the literal spirits, right? And now, I, I think it's quite possible that, there are spirits and demons and and like sure, just like with anything else based in faith or or spirituality, like I do not know, so I cannot tell anyone they're wrong. Correct, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I don't want to believe that when I die, I have to stay here. Yeah, in any capacity. Okay, so part of me just wants there to be more than that and and they're not to be this idea of unfinished business it's like there's no unfinished business. We, when we die we die it's a new plane you know so i do think though that if everything is based in energy if mm-hmm. a a smile is energetic a laugh is energetic faking killing someone on stage in mm. mackers is energetic you are putting the, the best actors are putting that real intention into the world and truly, when when you're activating that part of your brain, your brain physically, like, yeah, because like through neuroplasticity, your brain doesn't, cannot um, compute, can't separate, mm-hmm. um, protect, like make believe and yeah. and real life, exactly. and especially when you're you're tuned in as an actor and using all the tools to be able to get mm-hmm. that type of performance, your brain thinks it's real, yeah. mm-hmm. and so. Absolutely, that makes com- like that makes complete sense to me. Yeah, of like yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So then if so then if these energies are being created in sp- space time or whatever, then of course when I'm in that space, mm-hmm. the record of time is spinning and the the freaking scratch that was made when somebody fake killed someone on stage or kissed someone or did whatever, that scratch is gonna it leaves a mark. And every time I hit that scratch, there's gonna be a little you know, there's gonna be a little you know kind of moment. And I might experience that scratch again. And so I think when we go to prisons, old shut down prisons, mm-hmm. of course mm-hmm. you're going to feel that energy. Yeah. So when you go to a theater, of course you're going to feel that energy, which is why I think it's so easy to find the quote unquote haunted in any space like this hotels, Anywhere where a lot of people are experiencing things, ex- mm-hmm. uh, experiencing a lot of things in mass quantities all the time throughout long periods of time, yeah. you're going to experience stuff. So I believe wholeheartedly that our job as artists mm-hmm. is to keep creating those scratches on those records yep. and to keep making everybody rethink and 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 change based on the energies that they feel in those spaces whether it's given by us or by the ghosts of of theater past um that's the beauty of theater in a lot of ways and i think in some ways the thesis of your podcast right like truly is yeah that's why these things live together they're both based in energy they're both based in creation mm-hmm. and passion and both communities are really intermingled mm-hmm. like the horror community more so than the paranormal oh, yeah. community but still even so the paranormal community too and i have found that more on tiktok than ever is meeting emily like all these people who i all of a sudden am like oh i, I didn't realize there was this whole subsect this subculture of people who are want to explore the similarities between both because it is i don't know it's the same shit different toilet i think (laughs) we should have a show on like discovery channel or something where we just investigate all theaters honestly well and just and basically go hey Mm -hmm. we pull a demi lovato and we go Mm -hmm. it's trauma (laughs) yeah She's experiencing exactly. trauma, but well, I want to know. What's, what's so interesting, one, I love that also because HBO just absorbed Discovery Plus into them, which means it'd be right. an HBO series, which I am fine for. Yeah. Okay. HBO, call us. I'm here oh. for it. If they want to pay us to go. If they want to pay us to go from iconic theater to iconic theater across the country, especially thinking about like- Hell yeah. I, I think I brought this up when Mickey was on, but like a lot of theaters used to be other things. Like every Fox theater used to be Masonic temples. So right. literal, literal ritual happened yeah. in those spaces. Yeah. I mean, you know, we consider theater as ritual, but it's something I've been thinking a lot since the newest, um, Oh, I forget its name, but that new telescope that got put up into space, right. That it's, it's the size of the tennis court. Um, yeah. yeah. And it got, on a podcast, somebody said that it is a camera that can uh, witness 10 million years in the past and 10 million years into the future because that is how space is. It actually right. takes pictures light works. across time and it's how light works. Yeah. And so honestly, that's <laughs> how I've started 
thinking about how when we are talking about because we have the olive thomas episode which is just before this one Mm -hmm. where we talk about how or even with back with our first episode david belasco how someone can be imprinted on a space even if it's not actually them there and it's still be a hundred years later right but it's this idea of and you touched on it that there are moments that are experienced by the audience and the, the cast on stage the crew that even if it's not the same every night, if you've got, cause Pasadena is one of those places that you all do a several month run of a show. Right. Um, so like over and over, over again, but think about the loves that were found and lost. Like mm. if you think about every showman, I was about to say showman's ever, yeah. every showman's that's been, or, or a couple that literally met in that space or got yeah. married in that space. And like their love perseveres there or to experience that it's that thing of, because we still think of time as so linear, but mm. at some point in time, the way energy exists, the energy is doing the exact same thing in that space that it did on that night, even if the bodies aren't there. So it's literally maybe just the universe imprinting and replaying a moment and a memory that yes. it needs. Or and it's or it could just be as simple as like it's the glitch in the matrix. It's just happening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite Disneyland uh, like ghost stories is. In the late 90s, they still used VHS tape and all the security cameras. Sure. And they got wiped every day, every morning from the night before. And the Haunted Mansion security guard that was watching the tapes kept seeing people come and go, like every once in a while through the gates after it was closed in the dead of night. And he thought for sure, and it was like the same people they were in costume they were in period clothing and it just ended up being that when you hard wipe a vhs so many times yeah a shadow memory of what was previously programmed on it is left so many times and so if it's the same people coming and going every day even if it's wiped so it's kind of an amazing analogy because it's it's it's, basically they're waiting to be perceived mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it's kind of beautiful in a weird way it's a universal TikTok, if you will, because just because it's one of those things that like everything is energy. We make up everything. So it's those things of whether energy is sentient or not, cells and electricity have a purpose that can react and interact, but then Mm. also can change based on what pressures and situations it's in. Holy shit, I've never talked about science as much in my life. I know. I'm I'm like, I am fascinated. Maybe I would have focused in physics if I'd known. I know, right? It's literally this just this idea of it's not as simple as someone's soul is living somewhere. Cause I'm like you, I grew up evangelical. So like I get so stressed thinking about living forever in any way, shape, or form. (laughs) Right. But the idea of existing here is like the worst dream where like you get killed on an episode of SVU, but then you have to haunt the, the, the police guys until they solve exactly. your murder. Exactly. So yeah, I, and a lot of times that it's a piece because then it's just like, I'm adding to that overall energy and I can pull from it and use it. And like, mm. cause even as like a dresser, it's a lot of times you think about, you're like, well, I'm just doing the same thing, but it's like, think about the space that I'm standing in and how many iconic costume changes happened there or mm-hmm. that yeah. the memory of what's, what has happened there over and over again. It's a ritual too. Well, and when you have places where the same people have been on stage over and over again, the same technicians, they, you manifest in a space the longer you're in a space. So it's sure. just mm-hmm. all of those things. And I love that you say that the, the one time with the face, which still just think about it literally <laughs> chills up my spine, makes just everything clench. 
that it was the only time that, and it was probably your nerves, but it's, it's that idea that it all still feels welcoming and like you're part of it, which makes me think that like inherently ghosts and things are so ooh, ooh. Mm-hmm. but like the fact that it could be energy though, I always, it's this thing with the cat that lives in the house that I'm in right now. Every time, cause it's always like something out of your corner of your eye and it'll feel like a person's like peeking around the corner. And then I'll look up and realize it's the cat out of my line of sight is looking around the corner. And so I was like, is it the cat of, and it's their being of the soul, the person they used to be, if you believe in sure, reincarnation or sure, whatever. Sure. And so it's that idea of like, who is that cat? Like, yeah. I, now I just want to know who the cat was. What's yeah. The relationship with the cat was? I want to, I want to know the whole know. story. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that is, Ooh, that's so wild. But it's also so wonderful that again, they felt welcome and comfortable enough with you. If it is a ghost or that like the space itself has felt welcome enough to you that like you haven't felt in danger or scared from it, but it's, it's, it's showing you its secrets. Yeah. It's letting you know its personality uh, in a way that like we think we can only do it here as people, which is just. Right. And, and as a storyteller, it's been kind of amazing that it's been allowing me to capture so much for TikTok because it doesn't yeah. feel. It's not wiping your phone clean. Yes. Right. Like... Right. Or like, you know, I mean, I get glitches now and then. there's one video where I and this is something that happens all the time and I just finally got it on camera. So I'm kind of overreacting because I actually see it all the time. But in the video, I'm like, whoa, you know, (laughs) but because I like that. I like the the storytelling aspect of it. But there's uh, the lights in the dressing room will just come on all on their own. And there's a shower that turns on on its own all the time. Uh, and it usually, it'll happen when you're like walking by and you'll be like, what the hell? Mm. Um, or you'll hear like humming or like whistling in the bathroom and you're like, what the fuck? And you go in and the shower is just running and you're like, okay. Um, but the, we're always warming up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I caught that on camera one time and, and put that in there, but I, I do feel like the the allowance that it has given me has been really interesting. But also since production's been back, I haven't caught anything. Mm-hmm. It's all been, you know. There's so much energy simple. now that it's like, yeah. it, it's like that, that becomes more of like a whisper. Yeah. So it's. TikTok it's really was their way of doing theater for, for three years. And now real theater is happening again. So. Yeah. And it's also just interesting. It's like when you take away all of the stuff, when you take away all the distraction, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah. what? <laughs> I don't like to think about this because I live on my own. So sure. I'm always like, podcast, podcast, like yeah. have things in my ears. But it's like, when you take away, you strip it all down to literally the bones yeah. that you're like, you can experience some shit that mm-hmm. you cannot explain. And you're just like, that's happening. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. Because you don't, th- that's what I feel like so many people experience, whether whatever they experience, it's just like when we stripped it all down and had to sit with like the silence, you're just like, silence mm-hmm. is loud and you can experience a lot of otherworldly things. Yeah. 100%. I think it's why so many people also turned to making podcasts during the pandemic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it was just easier. Yeah. And it was also your way to like force yourself to socialize with other people. True. Yeah. 
Yeah. It feels like you have your best friends in your ears all the time. That's what I always think. Exactly. Yeah. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I, you know, it's, I mean, my favorite murder is one of those that it just feels mm-hmm. like you're sitting in a room with your, with your girls and you're chilling. And then always. I really love blank check. I don't know if y'all have ever listened to blank mm-hmm. check. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of the number one movie podcast on all the lists but it's it's these two guys and they said it's actually our podcast is kind of based on their podcast because they cover directors uh and their movie directors and their entire uh filmography we Mm. do playwrights and we just cover like three of their major Mm -hmm. works but so it's kind of like similar but that's one where i just i can listen for hours and hours of back catalog and i never mm-hmm. get tired and i'm on their patreon and i'm on their like i and it just it, i can do it forever and theater theater was was that for me on another level where i actually got to participate in the thing that i had been listening to you know and and trying to keep myself company for the first few months of the pandemic and scott cj and i would sit at the bar at the there's this uh, bar in hollywood it's called uh, the Broadwater. Actually, the theater is called the Broadwater. The bar attached is called the Plunge, and it's owned by Patrick Duffy of oh, Dallas yeah. and mm-hmm. Step by Step fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his son runs it. His son's a good friend of mine, Patrick Duffy. And uh, it's this amazing bar where the walls are all scripts. So it's just walls of shelves of scripts. So you can go and pull scripts and check things out and do it. And it's got everything oh, you could ever want, that. every anthology and all that stuff. And then it has four theater spaces connected to it. So it has a 200 seat uh, main stage, a 99 seat uh, second stage, a up to 99 seat black box uh, morph space and then like a 30 seat studio space. So when Fringe rolls around, which we just finished, uh, it's a big venue for Fringe because they have four Mm -hmm. very different sizes and they they don't charge a whole lot. And then everyone parties at the bar after. So Scott, CJ and I met doing uh, producing theater uh, in Hollywood and we ended up going to get a drink at the plunge one night and we're looking at the wall of scripts and just started nerding. We just started nerding out and bullshitting. And it was the first time since college Mm -hmm. where I had like really just talked Mm -hmm. straight theater with people and like felt really, felt really impassioned by it. And, and we kind of looked at each other and we were like this, let's do this more often. So we started to, so then when COVID hit, it's like, well, Mm -hmm. we can't do that anymore. And then one of I one of them, I think it was CJ, she suggested one day, she was just like, why don't we just record our conversations we were wanting to have over beers and we'll just have a beer mm-hmm. and just talk. So for the first season, we're like drunk through the whole first season. <laughs> and the qualities were all bad. And then the second season, we figured out our flow and it's in and we stopped drinking and we figured it out. Now we're about to finish season three. And That's it's awesome. no signs of stopping. Uh, we went a uh, hundred episode was like seven or eight episodes ago. Uh, we just re- we're releasing our in the middle of our mini series right now with uh, uh, turning musicals into movies. Mm-hmm. So like you said, Maddie, Little Shop of Horrors. We also did uh, Fiddler on the Roof. We also did Into the Woods, the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. And we did uh, West Side Story, which will come out next, uh, come out on Wednesday. Into the Woods dropped uh, this morning. Yeah. Um, and then we give each of the each of them names, uh, ridiculous names that always include podcasts. So it's Podcast on the Roof, Little <laughs> Pod of Casters, uh, <laughs> uh, Podcast Story, 
um, or no, it's cast pod story. Uh, and then uh, in pod cast woods. <laughs> um, we're stupid and we love it. Uh, love we also it. just finished a live, uh, uh, not Olivia Wilde. Holy shit. Oscar Wilde. Um, yes. But Olivia Wilde. I don't know. She's uh, book smart. Great fucking movie. Great film. And that new one looks great. The uh, don't worry, darling, or whatever it's called. Yes, it's interesting. Yes, yes, yes. All I can think of right now is into the pod. Into the pod, we have to go. <laughs> I like into the pod. I like in podcast into woods. The pod. <laughs> in podcast woods. In podcast woods. <laughs> yeah. Um. But we 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 just nerd out, and we just have so much fun, and it's been a really great thing to have throughout throughout the past uh, few years. But I I I'm excited to like dig into this podcast. I'm excited to like really. Like, hear everything y'all have coming up, especially these bonus episodes. Yeah, well, and funny. honestly, this is going to be a main episode because we had a uh, spot to fill. And oh. I was like, this sounds great. So, yeah, this is going to be oh a main Oh, my gosh. Episode. Main oh feed. Main You're on the free feed. But, but, oh, oh, oh. But I just saw Assassins at um, East West Players. Okay. Which is a, uh, they, they pride themselves on being the first um, all- I they, look it up because there's a very specific thing that they pride themselves on that I know I'm probably saying incorrectly, but they are a theater based in casting and hiring predominantly people of color. And they were Asian owned since the beginning and were the first like major regional theater, Asian owned regional theater in America. Nope. So it's like they're freaking incredible. David Henry Huang uh, 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 mm. writes stuff for them all the time. Um, cool. And they did an Assassins where it was all people, people of color. And the booth was a, the John Wilkes booth was a, uh, a black man who has one of the greatest voices I maybe have ever heard in my life. And during the ballad of booth, I have never actually cried more during a show. Wow. That's and, amazing. And there were people around me like, you're, you're okay. Like, chill out. Everything's <laughs> fine. <laughs> but I just, it's the show for me more than yeah. anything. And then to watch mm-hmm. it not be an all-white cast and watch mm-hmm. a man sing a part of that part of John Wilkes Booth and the things that he's saying and the, and the, the way yeah. that you feel for him and the way that you it just, that show is, is, is to me perfect. He Sondheim said that into the woods was his favorite show, but that assassins was his most perfect show. Mm-hmm. Assassins is a clearly almost perfect show. And there's a reason why every time it's revived or brought back for professional reasons, it isn't changed and the audience never quite gets it, but it is a yeah. hugely, ing- it's like classic stage just did it this past year and mm. apparently it was a fantastic production and the audience just like didn't get it. I mean, COVID happened too, yeah. but like, it's one of those, it's for, it's not for your general audience who can come sit through into the woods and feel good and go home. Sondheim makes you think a little, and I think mm. assassins is one of the ones that he makes you do it with the most. Um, yeah. And I really enjoyed the work, especially cause that's, I mean, we say getting near the end of his life, but like he didn't really write a new show after Assassins and like Roadshow. We didn't right. really get more. Exactly. So like Assassins was one of his last two shows that he wrote because I mean, I guess we have the frogs. We don't really talk no. about the frogs. And we, and we don't. And we, you know, we talk about this on the End of the Woods episode for Theater Theater, but uh, uh, there's this kind of weird thing that Disney did where they were like, Sondheim's writing new stuff for this movie. And we were all like, what? Like we were pumped about it. I mean, my whole friend group was like, we, 
he's writing a new, I bet it's like all new songs. I bet there's going to be like three whole new songs. And we get there and it's like, he changed Hazel tree to Willow tree. And he changed like a couple of lyrics here and there where I just go, that doesn't actually change anything. Yeah. Okay. And so we were all a little disappointed by that because it felt like we're, we're going to get some new Sondheim and we didn't get anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was more Disney just trying to sell us on like our, our little community of people. On, oh, like, you mean Disney doing what Disney always is, yes, does? Even though, they have n- even though Disney theatrics has proven that they cannot figure out how to properly tap into the Broadway theater market <laughs> other than Aida, which is a fantastic show. Sure, sure. But okay. I mean, just Disney theatrics has a long history of just giving up when they can't figure out how to make it work and they've yet to figure out how to make it work. So, but, but Disney does um, uh, try out a lot of things at Music mm-hmm. Theater Wichita yeah. before they actually announce it to the world mm-hmm. that it exists. So I've seen some fucking, can I say that? Yes. I've yeah. seen some fucking insane Disney productions at Music Theater Wichita, including, but not limited to, Geppetto. Uh-huh. Which was a Stephen Schwartz musical based on the made-for-TV Drew Carey, <laughs> Ju- Julie Louis Dreyfus, Pinocchio. No, <laughs> it is one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. Oh my god! And they, you knew right away. I mean, it was—it's a two-week run, and by the end, the Disney producers were like, "No, kill it, die, 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 murder it, murder it." Don't let um, it come back. But they did also, we were the first ever high school musical on stage. Mm-hmm. That wasn't a middle school production. We were the first oh, wow. professional before it went to Broadway because they were like, we got to test this. So I was in the drum line of the first, because my drum line got asked to be in it, not because I yeah. was I auditioned or anything, um, in the first ever high school musical production. So like Disney uses these regional theaters and they use La Jolla too, like with Hunchback mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and things like that, like to try their things out. And then Tessa, they go. So I just always wonder how many musicals have died by so Disney's many. hand that we just will never. Pete's Dragon, the musical. We're like, I'll never hear about no. it. No. Okay. No, I'm going <laughs> to fucking die on this hill that it needs to happen because Stephanie J. Block needs to play Nora because <gasps> I need Stephanie J. Block to sing Candle on the Water every Aww. fucking night and win the Tony Award for it. Aww. That's what I need. Actually, that would be beautiful, but it has Jeez. to be the original movie put on. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes, absolutely. absolutely. I'm not add fucking couple, with weird adaptations. No. Or, no, add a couple songs here and there, but like sure. the, we have that generation of actors that's just old enough now that like. Yes. Chris, like bringing in um, Chris Klein. Is it Chris Klein who was a uh, Pirate King, and he was in? Oh, uh, uh, Cal, uh, Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein, thank you. Yeah. Kevin Klein as her dad would be so funny because he's old enough. Oh, now, genius! Like, yeah, to do yeah. the Mickey Rooney role. But also, we have so many like dastardly, handsome forty-something men yeah. that play like, Terminus. Yes, and it, it would. Yeah, <laughs> and the puppets. Think about the team that did oh. the yeah. Warhorse puppets and yeah. the Kong puppet doing an Elliot. Yeah, mm-hmm. e, I just need it. It's I no, hate Disney you. now. Puppets are taking it, over but... Broadway. Listen, I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad about it. <laughs> I'm on Kennedy Kanagawa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Muhlenberg grad. Yes. Muhlenberg grad. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bailey, thank you so much for you. being Bailey, with yay. us. Thank you for giving us your time. Uh, just quickly tell everyone at home where they can find you and all of your stuff on the internets. Absolutely. So I would start with the paranormal TikTok, which is uh-huh. at Theater of the Absurd. Uh, theater spelled R E T H E A T R E. If you start typing it in, it'll probably be the first one that pops mm-hmm. up. It, it just is. tends to be. Um, so Theater of the Absurd. If you want to follow me on Instagram, 
which I highly recommend because I'm fun uh, and I'm a little political, but in like a fun way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm outspoken. That's what I am. Um, you can follow me at uh, j.bailey.b, B-A-I-L-E-Y, j.bailey.b. Uh, and then go listen to theater theater. We have an Instagram as well. It's just theater theater. First one spelled R E second one spelled E R. I think there's a, a, a underscore in between them. Um, but please go listen, rate, subscribe, review. It like really helps us as it does yeah, this yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we, we've, we've gained a little following, especially in Los Angeles. And we're kind of the official podcast of fringe. We hosted a, 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 a an award this year for uh, the best new playwright. Um, and so, yeah, just check us out. I, I really love the LA theater scene and I, I, for all of its huge issues that it's dealing with, um, I just want, I'm just trying to promote it always. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We've had such a great time. Um, everyone, please rate, subscribe, do all the things for us as well. Yeah. And well, we'll, we'll be in your ears again next time, friends. (laughs) Hey there, Screen Beans. Have you heard about Screen Snark? Rachel, this is an ad break. They aren't Screen Beans until they listen to the show. Fine. Potential Screen Beans. You like movies and TV shows, right? I mean, who doesn't? Screen Snark is a casual conversation about the movies and television shows that are shaping us as we live our everyday lives. That's right, Matt. We have a chat with at least one incredible guest every episode, hailing from all walks. We've interviewed chefs, writers, costumers, musicians, yoga teachers, comedians, burlesque dancers, folks in the film and TV industry, and more. We'd be delighted for you to join us every other Monday on the Certain POV Podcast Network. Or wherever you get your podcasts, fresh and tasty off the presses. What? But that's no, that's not. Can I call them screen beans now? Fine. Screen beans. So tune in and we'll see you at the movies or on a couch somewhere. Cuz you're a whole screen beans now. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. Exit Stage Death is brought to you by Dreamer Productions. This episode was audio engineered and edited by Maddie Limerick. And our theme is Antisocial Dance Party by Brett Eagleston from the Let's Rewatch podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Stage Death Podcast. On Twitter at Stage Death Pod. And send us your favorite chilling theater stories at stagedeathpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Patreon.com at Dreamer Productions, where your donation of $2 a month keeps quality content coming your way on your favorite podcatcher app. Join us for more chilling true stories on the next episode of Exit Stage Death. CPOV. CertainPOV.com.